Welcome to episode 59 of the Hockey House Podcast presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Colin Fitzgerald, Stephen Glick, executive producer David Herman, and guest Philly correspondent and CHF insider Aiden Collins as we bring you all the latest news from around the ACHA and the CHF. Very special episode for you guys. No episode last week because we were so busy with all the national stuff. This is the granddaddy of them all. This is the Nationals recap episode. Uh, We're going to dive into everything we went through through Herm and I will you know recap our trip to St. Louis. Uh, we had boots on the ground in Philly between Aiden and Glick. Fitz is also killing it in the Fed at the same time. So plenty to recap here and, and we'll just dive into it to get started. But Fitz, we'll throw it over to you because I feel like we haven't talked to you in a while now. Before we dive into you though, your brother is killing it in spring training. I guess we should start with that. Give him a shout out. He's been doing really well. He hit a, uh, another nuke today, three run bomb. He's got three so far. So he's on a tear. My younger brother was actually watching the game today. He sent me a text and he was like, Fitz, his brother just hit an absolute nuke. <laughs> He's all about the new uh, swing up mentality and just try to hit hit bombs every pitch. So that's his his new thing. And he deserves everything he's getting. He's He's been grinding for years here. So really happy for him. While we were in St. Louis, what did we miss anything in the Fed? It seems like every guy is signing in the Fed these days. There's a lot going on in the Fed. We're about... 12 or so games uh, left in the regular season as we're you know talking about on this show all the the college teams are their seasons are coming to an end and a lot of those players are looking to just go pro right away so yeah we've we've signed a few guys you know out of d3 yeah new guys in the locker room every single day we're headed down to winston-salem i believe it's north carolina this weekend we're in a, a pretty good battle positioning standings wise between carolina columbus and even uh, danbury so it's gonna be race to the finish and we'll see what happens with uh, where we end up no, that should be a good game down in North Carolina. That's also, that rink is a barn. The annex at the Winston-Salem Fairgrounds. Uh, it's where they do the ACCHL playoffs and where Wake Forest plays their home game. It's like right next to their football stadium and their basketball arena. Once again, that fired up in the Fed with Fitz. Thanks for keeping us updated there. Glick, we'll throw it over to you. You get were able to catch uh, one of the CHF days on, was it Saturday, right? Yep, that's right. Other than that, you've been staying busy? Yeah, it was a great experience to be able to go out and kind of see the CHF National Championship, which I'll talk about a bit later. But so other than that, I've just been really busy with school. But on a good note, I accepted an internship for this summer, so I'm very excited to get that weight off my chest. Oh, yeah. Monkey off the back. Where are you heading? Heading out to Cincinnati, Ohio. Wow, there we go. And what are you going to be doing? So I'm still trying to iron out the details exactly. All I know is it's great American insurance. So I'll hopefully be doing some sort of insurance underwriting, which is what I want to do after I graduate. Perfect. And then joining us this week, getting the call up to the Hockey House pod, Aiden Collins. Collins sent me a text. I was about to get on my flight going Syracuse to Charlotte and then St. Louis. I I just actually gotten a DM from the CHF saying that they wanted us to attend their their tournament. Sure enough, at the same time, Collins had sent me a text that uh, he was looking to go and was willing to cover it for us. So it ended up working out perfectly. And uh, he had himself a weekend. I'm sure he's exhausted from it. As exhausted as Herm and I were in St. Louis, he was doing the same thing for three days straight in Philly. So Collins, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty solid. I felt like I recovered pretty well. Doesn't help that as soon as I got back, I just got tossed into schoolwork and, you know, all that stuff. And as well as figuring stuff out for next season in terms of building 
building a social media team because this year I was absolutely slammed. I was putting like 10 hours a week doing graphic design, video editing, all that stuff to bring our socials up to par with the rest of the league. And then also some photo editing. I'm sure Herm can probably relate to this. However, I wasn't going through thousands of photos. I think I took a total of like 300. But yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun going out to CHF. I got a lot to say about that with Glick. Yeah. Did you just finish spring break? Was that the tail end of your spring break? No. So spring break ended for me like the week before. So I was already back on campus and I was like really lonely without hockey. I had no clue what to do with myself now that our season was over after that uh, tough loss against William Patterson. But uh, so when I saw that the CHF was being hosted in Philly, I was like, huh, I should probably reach out to Murph about this because, you know, I got way too much time on my hands. Like I'm filling it with playing golf and then just doing stupid stuff in Photoshop. Yeah, no, it, it was awesome having you. I think the biggest compliment I can give you is that I got to Syracuse and my roommates were shocked to see me because they thought I was in Philly running running the story. So that was that was great. Job well done to you over the weekend and, and for Glick for helping out on Saturday as well. And I guess we'll, we'll turn it over to the busiest man of them all. All right now, the guy who's editing thousands and thousands of photos, Herm, how we how we doing? Teeing me up perfectly for that. Literally in the background right now, I am going through photos and continuing to edit. I want to try and make sure that everything is done by Friday at the latest. Like the volume of photos that I'm going through right now is absolutely insane for how beautiful Centene is uh it is not especially conducive to photographers when it comes to angles uh the photo holes are damn near impossible to use one of them specifically on the far side of the usa rink is just a literal hazard to try and use uh you have to physically reach over a railing for it and seating like there's a hole and your leg falls in it's nuts it feels like you're not in Centene. It's crazy. So just a crazy, crazy workload on my end to take all of these photos and do the the live in-game stuff, but get everything out there. So for the players who were at the games and parents and fans, those folders will be accessible through the link tree on the Hockey House's Instagram and Twitter. That's going to be free of charge and whatever you want to pay through Venmo, whatever you feel like it's worth is what you want to pay for it. So that username is dherms18 and really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, that was, it was awesome having the photos there as, as you know, we were working together the first couple days and it was really easy for me to get the video and you to get the photo and I had to do it on my own the, the last couple of days and become friends with more of the photographers. But we'll get into the, some of those photographers who we made friends with while we were there later on in the show uh, when we give out our thank yous. But we'll kind of go in, in chronological order here by division recapping here. Wednesday night, I flew to uh, Charlotte, which was funny because a couple weekends ago, I had all that trouble trying to get to Charlotte from Syracuse. And then sure enough, my connecting flight to St. Louis was in Charlotte. I had a direct flight from Syracuse to Charlotte, which it was very ironic for me because of all the trouble I'd had previously. But get down there, had a little bit of a delay getting to the airport because I was supposed to pick up our apparel we had ordered from Syracuse Screen Printing Company. Herm and I ordered hoodies, pants, and polos two of each. The guy told me that it was going to be done the day I was leaving. And then sure enough, I text him that morning. He's like, yeah, they should be good by the time you leave. And then 30 minutes before they're supposed to be ready, he was like, actually, it's going to be like another 30 minutes. And I was like, well, I don't have 30 minutes. I'm going to the airport and I need to check a bag. Like, 
this isn't going to work. And he was like, I'm so sorry. Like if I knew you were leaving at this time, I would have had it ready. And I was like, I gave you the stuff like weeks ago. Like, why didn't you just do it when I brought it? And so what ended up happening is we had to ship them to St. Louis. So they finished screen printing and they shipped to St. Louis and we'll let you know when, when they ended up getting there as we go through the tournament. But finally got there around midnight, woke up the next morning, made a quick little hype video to get everyone fired up for the day and then walked over to the rink. And then I actually, when I got to St. Louis, I was smart and changed the time zone on my phone. But then when I woke up, I think I thought that I hadn't already done that. So I thought I had an extra hour and then I showed up and it was like halfway through the first game. And I was like, oh, this is tough. I was, I was trying to be here on time, but I ended up seeing the first goal. Pitt scored the first goal of the tournament in their matchup against Navy. That was a really good game. Pitt ended up winning that one. And then in the second game, Maryville versus John Carroll. John Carroll was kind of the Cinderella story coming into it because they went on a run in the in their playoffs beating Pitt, ironically. And so they played Maryville. Herm, you caught the tail end of that game, right? Yeah, I thought Maryville was going to blow him out of the water. And John Carroll kind of hung in there. It ended up being 4 nothing. But I thought John Carroll, you know, really showed a lot considering they, they weren't a team in the top 20, yet they were playing in nationals. And I thought they put up a good fight. And then Herm's Bobcats jumped out to a 5 nothing lead over Niagara in the first period. Uh, he was pretty fired up about that one. Gave us some insurance so that we could go enjoy the Blues game that night. Um, I say Blues game because if I called it a Rangers game, I think that would be disrespectful. The Blues seemed to be the only team on the ice that night. Herm and I were in the 300 level enjoying ourselves and uh, Herm bought Rangers tickets and the Rangers didn't show up. I guess that's that's how I would leave it. There is a great video that Murph recorded after goal three where I feel like you can literally see my soul escaping my body. There is no cursing. There is no anything. It's just dead eyes. They did not show up. Our lift was 10 minutes late. So we show up and it's nothing, nothing. And we're like, great, we've missed nothing. And immediately the Blues score three times. I'm like, this sucks. And it just gets worse and worse from there. After the fifth goal, at this point, I've added Alex Herman on Snapchat and I'm Snapchatting Herm's brother and sending him updates because this is hilarious. And after the fifth goal, Herm gets up and leaves. Not like gets up and walks down the aisle and then just comes back to the seat. No, like he leaves, leaves. And I'm like, we paid good money like for the tickets. Like it was, it was like what, $17 tickets, $13 tickets. Yeah. And no, like the priciest of the pricey. We, this is like, we're, we're sitting like Kings right now for $17. a pop. Yes. Yes. But when I say like we paid for the experience, like it was a pretty expensive lift to get to the the arena and then of course like after three drinks i've already spent 45 dollars. so like i'm like i'm staying for the end of this game like i would like i'm not just because herm's being a baby because the rangers are losing i'm not leaving i keep snapchatting alex and alex every time i snapchat alex he's like he's still not back i'm like no he's not back like i don't know what i'm am I supposed to go looking for him like and eventually he came back and and watched the rest of the game and and we left we, well, we left early, but our Uber or our Lyft didn't end up coming on time, right? Two of them came. Hang on a second. I just want to like explain what I was doing out on the concourse there because I had a Whitney during the first intermission. And my first immediate thought was I literally cannot watch this piece of hockey team right now. And so I got out of my seat and immediately was going to go and get another drink. And I got out to the concourse and I composed myself and I'm like, whew. We're in St. Louis. We're having a good time. I'm not going to be mad about this. So I went up to the cashier and explained the whole story, explained that I was here from New York watching the game. She was like, honey, I am so sorry for you and gave me a bottle of water for a dollar. Let's talk about this for a second. I was at a pro sporting event. This like probably $7 bottle of water was sold to me for a buck. So 
shout out to the hospitality in the Midwest because they they made sure I was not going off the deep end that night. That happened at a Flyers game. They charge you double because you're out of state. <laughs> Wearing a Rangers jersey, it would have been quadruple. Are you kidding me? They would have opened the water and then spit it in your face like a, like a bird and said, welcome to Philly. Full on Triple H style. Yeah. If you want to be treated like kings at, uh, at the Wells Fargo Center, pro tip for Glick here, just wear like your temple hockey stuff. I went to a 76ers game. I was wearing my Villanova hockey hoodie. Oh my God. People loved it. If you, if you want to get treated like a king. Yeah. Two of my roommates went to Bill's Patriots and they wore their Syracuse hockey parkas and they were getting drinks bought all night. So yeah, I guess you look like a local celebrity. It was our first day there and I don't want to get too much into the food because the ACHA provided us food, but not all of it was, you know, edible for all of us, I would say, um, because of her... Right. Am I, am I saying that right? Right. Like you got to give context because not every not everyone knows. It, well, I, I don't want to tell the story, but like they were giving providing us food that had gluten in it. So Herm couldn't eat it. I didn't really figure out how the food system worked the first day. So I had only had one meal. So one Bud Light, the Blues game, and I was buzzing. It was a great experience for me. Saved money on drinks because I hadn't eaten all day. All in all, a good experience. We move on to day two of the Division One tournament and uh, Pitt actually gave UNLV a run for their money pretty early. I think they had they jumped out to the lead in this game. UNLV, uh, Zach Wixon played unbelievable in the first period and you know weathered the storm. UNLV ends up on top of that one. Maryville also gave Iowa State a good game in the next one. The Cyclones pulled away in the third and then blocked a zillion shots in the final five minutes of that game uh, to get the win. And then the highlight of, of day two of the D1 tournament was the Bobcats upsetting number two, Minot State. Minot State is a team who's given a lot of teams troubles in the national tournament. Uh, a lot of Western Canadian boys, and they know playoff hockey and gritty hockey, and they never really got into their rhythm because of how well the Bobcats played in the first period. They jumped out to a 2 nothing lead. Pretty cool to see Herm's reaction in that one. He was fired up. Uh, it was a big win for the Bobcats. I mean, getting the the photos of it and then heading out on the ice to to photograph the guys and their reactions was absolutely electric. What was even more electric was Murph's video from the players' tunnel of all of the guys coming off the ice because they were fired up. Oh my God. I want to say, what was it, Murph? Like 95% of the brackets had Minot State winning that game? Something like yeah, yeah. 95% of the a million brackets filled out for the ACHA National Tournament, of course. So not many people had had the Bobcats advancing. Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I'm pretty sure I had Minot winning it all. So I was kind of like... I was very torn. I th- I yeah. was like, oh, it's either Minot or Lindenwood. And- yeah. So I was like upset, but at the same time, I was like happy for Herm. You know, the Bobcats got it done. So yeah, I, I put my all access pass to work to get that video, which was pretty cool. And at this point, we didn't have our hockey house merch yet. So Herm and I were wearing ACHA national tournament jackets. Like the ACHA gave us these staff jackets, which are pretty sick. And people knew we were the hockey house because of Herm's connection to Ohio but like it, it was kind of nice like as the tournament went on like more people became familiar with what we were doing like they were seeing Herm taking the photos and then they would see the photos on Instagram later that night and then they'd be like oh wait these are the hockey house guys and people began to connect the dots the next game was Dearborn versus Lindenwood and it was Lindenwood's first game of the tournament and it ended up being like their toughest game of the tournament held to their lowest goals per game they only beat Dearborn three nothing wanted to give a shout out to Dearborn's goalie best name in the tournament Caden Pickles all-time name right there especially when you play for Dearborn and you get the name plate on the back and it says Pickles like that that is sick uh one of the best names we came across all weekend but that was a good game 
And then the next morning we woke up, Liberty rolled over Illinois. I mean, not much fight from the Illini there. Josh Fricks had two goals and a helper. Uh, He was on fire that morning. And then we got treated to an OT thriller between Indiana Tech and UCO in the next game. This one was a fun one. If we knew going in how much overtime we'd see of UCO, probably wouldn't have thought too much of it. But a clip that we posted from this that I wanted to get your thoughts on, guys. There was like a battle going on between who is going to leave the ice first in warmups. And I wanted to put it out there that I hate this game. I think it is stupid. I think it is silly. I think you should just get off the ice in warmups. I'm a a cranky old man when it comes to pregame traditions like that. So I didn't know if you guys had any takes on it. Are there rules to it? Like if the ref gets off the ice, is it done? Like Fitz, I see you nodding your head. So I want to let you chime in first on, on the the warm-up leaving the ice last rule once once the ref gets off the ice game's over so i forget which guy it was that hopped back on but that's that's an illegal move it was it was the uco guy it was the uco guy doesn't both guys got off the ice and then sneaked on to try to get one last touch but yeah i I agree with you i'm in the same boat ref leaves the ice no more games after that collins what do you think Uh, i agree with that take however i do have a teammate who is uh one of the last guys off the ice and he wants to be every single time i don't know where it started i think it might have been something that happened when he was playing usphl premiere it's fair game there are no rules to this game in my opinion (laughs) to some extent i have my weird you know pregame traditions but those are more in the locker room i don't really do anything on the ice other than do everything in the same exact order but yeah fair game you know if that's the way he he operates and that's the way he wants to to run like so be it if it makes you feel more confident hell yeah Glick, what are your thoughts? So I personally don't do it. No one on our team does, but we do have a kid. I'm going to shout him out, David Wilf. He will always play this game with anyone on the other team that has a superstition as a way to get into their head. He absolutely doesn't care if he gets off last, but he always does it with the other team to make sure that they're like shaken off. I mean, I personally never understood it. I feel like the whole point of superstitions is to control stuff that you can. It makes you like feel better for the game. That's just something that's way too hard to control, especially if someone else is like David Wolf and is trying to piss you off on purpose. I uh, I probably shouldn't have mentioned that then, considering uh, I got our conference rival right over here. So we'll see what happens next season. All right. All I know is that if I'm a coach and I see a guy on my team dicking around on the ice after warmups playing the silly game, and then he goes dash two in the first period, like he's getting scratched next game. Like you got to lock it in. Like you're not you're not focused enough here. Like that's my take on it. But yeah, we had that going on in Indiana Tech and UCO. One of the highlights of this day was Adrian absolutely having their way with Missouri State. 7 nothing at the end of the first period. It was 3 nothing, and I'm like, all right, I don't think anything is going to... Like, the, the whole thing behind the story was like, I just want to tell, give people updates. Like, if Adrian's up 3 nothing, I can go take a break and we're not going to miss anything. So I go to the bathroom and then I walk all the way to the restaurant to pick up my meal. And I get back and Adrian is putting home the seventh goal of the period with a minute to go. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like touchdown in the first period final score ends up being 14 to nothing it was just it was tough to watch adrian really had their way i don't know if it's because missouri state has a tougher schedule and maybe the rankings help them get a higher seed but it was tough one team showed up to play the other one was not ready for the storm that hit them herm i don't know if you had any takeaways from that one some of my best pictures from the tournament i know that for sure one of the really interesting things about how adrian plays their incredible amount of swagger that they come onto the ice with and then play with. One, I've never seen a team 
boo the opposing goalie during the lineup introductions before. Like the entire team boos just the goalie. Every goal and every hit that they lay and score is like the first one they've ever seen. It's like Liberty crowd, but on the bench. It gets in teams' heads. It's nuts. Yeah, it's pretty prominent with when you look at the score sheets. Like they just kill team like they either lose by a goal or they were killing teams all year like that's that's what happens and then the the final game of of that day was stony brook versus jamestown it ended up being the final game of tyson brower's career he had a great career he played really well in the game just didn't really get enough help offensively uh it was good to see the stony brook guys seeing them a lot this year with syracuse i actually caught most of the game sitting sully and, and the other backup goalie classy move by those guys they uh instead of taking up room on the bench they just parked it on the opposite end of the ice and watched in chairs from behind the glass uh, veteran move by them they both had the hats and the towel going so they were very comfortable in that one and then uh we got sewer the next day daylight savings we lost an hour herm and i were, were in the hotel room i was putting finalizing some stuff on social media herm was editing photos and like all of a sudden an hour's gone and it's like oh geez we both woke up the next morning and like off to a bad start and we were going to need the energy for this day because we started out with a, a sins versus saints matchup unlv taking on liberty you want to clarify that one but this was kind of a game we talked about before the tournament that these two teams were going to meet honestly herm I, maybe it was the daylight savings but maybe i wasn't ready for the game it, it wasn't as interesting as i thought it was actually i wanted to mention it now but the refs in the d1 tournament did a phenomenal job at game management they called penalties early in the game and kind of set let teams know hey this is how this game is gonna be refed very little stuff after the whistles i thought the unlv liberty game was gonna be really chippy uh the ref set the tone early they actually put flandy in the box for uh he was doing stuff after the whistle and they gave him misconduct right away and that was it like they really set the tone so i want to give them a shout out flandy ends up scoring the dagger to make it a 4-2 game doesn't even let liberty pull their goalie that was a really good game and then flandy ends up like just getting attacked on Twitter by all the Liberty fans after the game because this was like a thing with Flandy after every game he would look at me in the crowd and he would say Murph like who's next like who's effing next I, I didn't know like UNLV would play the first game every day so like I, I legitimately had no answer for him he would just yell at me and Herm caught this one on I'd say video but you took a million pictures and it looked like a video and the Liberty fans were not having it they were calling us out for being biased towards UNLV and they were attacking Flandy it was just tough all around that game then gets followed up by a marathon between Iowa State and UCO. I think I jinxed this one. Game goes to overtime. I said, all right, it's time for the ACHA Burger OT Challenge, thinking like, ah, oh, this is silly of me posting this on the story. This game's going to be over in 30 minutes. Uh, it was not over in 30 minutes. We went to five overtimes. And at this point, halfway through OT1, the Adrian and Ohio guys are like on the glass watching the game in full gear. This is OT1. By the fourth overtime, we got teams playing suey in the concourse in full gear we got adrian guys sitting in the crowd in full gear without skates on the guys are ripping coffees in the concourse we're looking for food the ohio post-game meal had showed up before the game started it was bananas one of the craziest hockey experiences i've ever been involved with really cool at this point like players were talking to us like it, it, it was really fun Herm I don't know if you had anything from that that you remember yeah this was just another day in the office for me I've done this before previously I was there for the longest college hockey game with Ohio so I'm like all right I've done this before this was a marathon and I've been through the ringer already Murph had to experience hellish overtimes for the first time like that just another day 
Yeah, so they did set the record for longest ACHA national tournament game. Not uh, up there with the longest game that was held uh, between Lindenwood and Iowa State in the 2020 CSCHL playoffs. We'll actually get into that in, in a couple episodes from now with an interview. But UCO ends up winning the game in overtime, sending number three Iowa State home. Next game after that, Adrian and Ohio now have to get on the ice after sitting in full gear for like three hours. Adrian beats Ohio seven to one. I wasn't really paying attention to this game. I was exhausted from the game before I ate my dinner during this game. Adrian, like we talked about, kind of had their way with the Bobcats here. Uh, I know this one was tough for Herm because, you know, he knows so many guys in that locker room and he was watching their college careers come to an end. I don't know if you want to touch on that at all. I mean, it, it was really tough to see because just like the last game, they were really, really fired up and ready to go. And then a three-hour delay came into effect. And I can't even imagine what that does to a player's psyche who's just dialed in and in the zone and you're just getting held at the starting gate. And you're anxious and you want to get out on the ice and it's just not happening. But yeah, it was it was really, really tough seeing the Ohio season come to an end in that fashion. After that, Stony Brook tried to hold on as much as they could, but Lindenwood again, like like they pretty much did all tournament, pulled away in the second half of the game. Uh, we ended up leaving the rink around one in the morning. Going into the day, I looked at Herman. I said, hey, like we have, it should be a short day. Like the last game is going to get done around 10 o'clock and we will be able to go back to the to the hotel. Like we were getting back to the hotel around midnight most nights. And uh, I was like, oh, we're going to get two extra hours here. Daylight savings. We'll get that hour back. No, at the rink until one in the morning. And then the next day, I think this was an underrated upset because of what had happened the day before. You look at a team like UNLV, they had the early game. They had a lot of rest. UCO basically played two hockey games with less rest. These two teams split in the regular season and, and UCO was uh, the conference champion. So I guess it shouldn't be too surprised that they pulled out the win against UNLV and sent them packing. Uh, which made the Liberty fans on Twitter very happy because then they got to chirp at Flandy again on Twitter because he was going home. And then in this other semifinal, I was really looking forward to this one. Adrian uh, ended up scoring first on Lindenwood. I was like, oh, we're going to get a game here. And just like they did all tournament, Lindenwood pulled away in the third period and turned it into a blowout. So they were really the top team going in. And it was kind of nice having a Cinderella story in UCO there. But just like all tournament, this was Lindenwood's party. And they pulled away in the, in the second half of this game. UCO, they went up 2 nothing. UCO came back with two goals. I was like, wow, this is actually going to be a game at the end of one. And then uh, I want to say Linwood had a one or two goal lead going to the third, and then they end up winning eight to two. Huge shout out to Hockey House Pod all-star Brendan Murphy playing in his final college game, scored his first goal of the season. It ended up being the final goal of the ACHA Division One season, the cherry on top for him. And then uh, on top of that, he actually got the Ray Bork treatment with the Murdoch Cup. Uh, the Linwood captain received it and instead of hoisting it, passed it right to Murph and uh, Murph lifted it up and took that thing for a lap right away. And it was great to see. Uh, well, also want to give a shout out to some of the Lindenwood women's players. They had a sign on the glass that said ACHA is college hockey. And uh, Herm was able to snap a photo of that. It went viral on Twitter. In the caption, Herm had promised that we would buy whoever made that sign a drink. And sure enough, they were in our DMs and, and 
we Venmoed them for drinks later on that night to celebrate the win. So all in all, really good uh, tournament on the ACHA Division One side of things. Not really too many surprises. Like I said, the highlights from that one were really Lindenwood. I mean, they got a really good crowd in the championship game, which was good to see. I think a lot of people are going to remember the five overtime games, probably the Bobcats upsetting Minot. But it was it was a great tournament. Shout out to Commissioner Brian Moran for for having everything under control for the week. And so at the same time that D1 was going on, it also overlapped with Division 3. So we didn't really catch the first couple days of pool play uh, just because, you know, the D1 games kind of took our priority just because they were elimination games. Like that was kind of the goal going in all week is to catch as many elimination games as we could. So we caught Dartmouth in New Mexico on day one. Dartmouth got the win over the Lobos. We caught a little bit of Notre Dame. They beat Nebraska. Also saw Brennan Martin with a snipe uh, late in the third period to send the game to overtime against Iowa State. That was really cool to see and be on the glass for. That game ended up in a tie. At night, we didn't catch this game, but we were following it on Twitter. Number one seed Hope was down to the 16 seed Coast Guard late in the third two to one they ended up coming from behind to win in regulation but a scare for the Dutchman early on in the tournament Coast Guard team that played with a lot of heart saw them play a couple times they did not have much depth not much style but they were a gritty team that got the job done and they hung around considering they were the 16 seed they gave people a lot of trouble they hung in against Central Michigan that was a, a fun team to watch and so Another D3 game we caught early in pool play was Trine versus Lawrence Tech. I actually tweeted out a photo of this one. Both teams had gradient jerseys, which was really interesting to see. Uh, This was also probably of all the games I went to. This was the one with the most chirping between parents. We had Lawrence Tech parents chirping Trine parents. We had Trine parents chirping the refs, security presence at the game. Uh, It was pretty bananas. And I guess it wasn't the craziest the parents we saw because I believe there was a fight in the concourse between some UNLV and UCO fans at the end of that game uh that was getting a lot of attention so probably the 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 loudest confrontation we saw all week at the end of day two we caught an electric game between arkansas and nebraska which is where we got the bash brothers picture i guess there was some beef earlier in the season because nebraska was not able to beat arkansas each of the times they played and then nebraska ended up getting the win in regulation against arkansas i mean the nebraska boys were showboating quite a bit they were letting the arkansas boys know who who was bringing home the w and so that resulted in some misconduct penalties and there was some waving goodbye after the uh, after the empty net goals and then uh herm captured this all herm and i were texting and i was like ah don't come to this game like it's almost over and he was already in the rink so he stayed and thank goodness he did because he got an awesome he captured it all i was trying to get a video of this guy dancing banging the glass in the penalty box flipping off the fans and i couldn't because i was too far away but herm got it all on photo I happened to be at the exact right place for this. I was trying to get in position to get out on the ice for the win and get non-through-the-glass up-in-person celebration photos. I happened to be directly next to the box where the Nebraska players were taunting the Arkansas fans. It was a perfect straight-on shot. No one was in the way or anything like that, and I just let the shutter ring. It was beautiful, and these guys went at it. It was straight out of Mighty Ducks. That same day in another game after that, I walked over and caught the tail end of Hope and Iowa State in Division Three action. This was the first time all weekend that I shot non through glass because there was no trainer between the benches. So I went in between the benches with my phone for the Instagram story. It was actually the first time all week. One of the Hope kids who I had never met before turns and he was like, are you Hockey House? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, dude, that's so sick. Like, you got to get me on. So... <laughs> 
Sure enough, Iowa State scores first. So I get like a clear video of Iowa State scoring. And then the kid comes down the line and hits the gritty. Very interesting choice because his goal made it three to one. They were still down by two goals. So he hits the gritty and I have it on video. And I don't even have time to post it because Hope scores immediately afterwards. So I get the celebration of the kid I was just talking to. That was great. So instant karma for Iowa State. The next day, we were able to catch Hope versus Central Michigan. Two teams that are rivals two teams from Michigan. Both teams had huge fan support. The barn was packed. Pleasure Rink is the third rink in St. Louis. Not many seats. I don't know. The environment, I can't really describe it. Like It makes me think of like a packed high school rink because like you had everybody standing around the glass, no seats in the bleachers, and it was freezing cold. I know Collins is going to bring up the meat locker in Westchester, but I was freezing. It was the only rink I needed my parka at while we were in St. Louis. And so that was a really fun game to be a part of just because at this point we had met so many guys from Hope and Central Michigan. Hope ends up winning it in OT to advance from pool play. So they eliminated the Chippewas, but wanted to give a shout out to Brandon Martin on an awesome college career. Really cool to see all the Central Michigan fans waiting in the lobby and kind of giving the boys a round of applause as they came out of the locker room. He got a great ovation when he came out. But then that game ends, and we walked over to Arkansas-Notre Dame. Same situation. Winner moves on out of pool play, except Notre Dame was 2-0, and and Arkansas was 1-1. and So if this game ended in a tie, Notre Dame would have moved on because they would have had a better record. So it goes to overtime, and with two minutes to go, like I'm next to the Hope guys because they're going to play the winner of this game. And they're like, they got to pull their goalie. They're going to have to pull their goalie in overtime. Sure enough, less than a minute goes... Face off in the ozone. Arkansas pulls the goalie. They score off the face off. The place is going bananas. I mean, people are crying. People are hugging their families. Like, it was insane. Like, this game meant so much. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen because it's like, you know, they had to pull the goalie to win. And then they scored with the goalie pulled. Like, it would have been so anticlimactic if Notre Dame had won in overtime on it with an empty net. But it was so awesome to see. And uh, once again, Herm held down the shutter and got some awesome flicks from that one. Uh, we caught up with it was Zach Wilson and uh, Cam McAtee after the game. Huge beauties. Turns out most of their team was from guys from St. Louis area. So that's why they had so much fan support, which was really cool to see. They had little kids wearing jerseys with names on the back in the crowd. It was, it was sick. So cool to see that one. And then they end up playing Hope the next day in a rematch of the Division Three National Championship from 2021. Hope, you know, essentially played on home ice in a sold out barn. And Arkansas didn't really have that many fans there. So this was kind of a neutral game, uh, which was cool to see and again hope wins this one in overtime this game was was really fun to watch after that the 11 seed michigan wolverines upset the number two seed grand valley state one of my favorite clips that i got from the tournament came from this game i was just right place at the right time kid wound up for a clapper on the power play perfect angle of the puck going into the net I was actually sitting next to a couple kids from Bentley who were they were going to play Florida Gulf Coast in the next game. They're watching the game on the glass. The kid winds up, and I kid you not, the Bentley guy next to me goes, don't take that, and he bombs it into the back of the net. It was the funniest thing. If you actually go back and watch the clip, you can hear it. If you have headphones in, you can hear it right away, but you can hear in the background. It says, don't take that, and the kid fires it right into the net. It was really cool, and it was cool to see the Michigan guys. They, they were really playing upset, taking down Grand Valley State. Speaking of the clip, do you want to mention what happened on Instagram with the stolen thing? 
and go on a tangent of don't f- steal our content. The, we learned the lesson like it was really nice being there in nationals because like hands on, we didn't have to credit anyone with the content. Like we were making it all ourselves, which was really cool. I guess like with anything, like if you if it's cool enough, like people are gonna repost it, and like there's a couple Instagram accounts just like blatantly taking our stuff and not crediting to us, which was a bummer. But at the same time, it's kind of cool because it's like hey, like more people talking about the ACHA, which is cool. Like if we're not doing what we're doing, is this random hockey account with 20,000 followers reposting a D3 ACHA power play goal. Like at the end of the day, I thought that was really cool. But yeah, definitely really annoying when people just rip off our content and don't credit us. So don't be like that. And we try to do the same. If you send us a video, we'll be sure to credit you. And if we don't, send us a DM and we'll be sure to get it right. You know, at this point, we've made pretty good friends with both sides here. And uh, again, an all Michigan national championship, the top seed Hope College Flying Dutchman once again won by a goal. Every game in the tournament, they won by one goal. They defeated Michigan two to one. Uh, I want to give a shout out. One of my best tweets from the the week, halfway through the third, somebody forgot to fill up the water bottles between periods. The Hope guys on the bench turn around to where I'm sitting and the scratches are sitting and they're like, we need water. We need water. And so they throw the water bottles over the glass. One of the scratches books it down to the concourse, fills up the waters and came back within two minutes, which was like, considering how far he had to run to fill up the waters was very impressive. I fire off the tweet that the scratches are the MVPs. And then sure enough, Hope wins the national championship. Those guys got dressed in under five minutes and they were out there when the celebration started. They did like the, how they do it in the NHL where like the scratches get dressed in full gear and they hop out on the ice, which was awesome for those guys. And they asked to be on the Instagram story. We took a picture and tagged them all because they earned it best rookie class in the Acha. So I want to give them a shout out. Speaking of shout outs, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, OptumX Sports. OptumX Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part, your first year is free. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. Now is the perfect time to be thinking about your website. A lot of seasons have come to an end now. There is no more college hockey to be played at the non-varsity level, and now is the time to be thinking about your website. Um, a lot of teams are beginning to take advantage of OptumX Sports. Some of the teams that are listed, uh, Kennesaw State signed up, Rutgers Camden signed up, Salisbury signed up, we talked about Purdue a couple episodes ago. But sign up now. I mean, for real, first year is going to be free. No better time to do it now. And I know a lot of teams are, are doing elections for their officers and coaching changes at this time of year. Optimex is going to handle your website for you. It's one less thing you have to worry about. Be sure to check them out at OptimexSports.com. Back to the highlights. So the men's D2 tournament kicked off the same day as the D1 and D2 semis. So we really didn't get to see the first two days of D2 action and pool play just because, like I said, we were taking priority to those, those games in the semifinals and finals. So we essentially missed the first two days of pool play. First game I caught fits Northeastern. They beat up on the Indiana boys. Tough, tough showing for them. I was rooting for them. Want to give them a shout out, though. They were killing it on their Instagram story, posting all the goals, kind of similar to the setup that we were doing so that their fans back home could follow along. I'm sure guys like you appreciated that one. Yeah, definitely. I think the program's really come a long way in the last few years. And I also want to just give a shout out to everyone on that team, especially head coach, Coach Weiss. You know, our senior year got stolen from us because of COVID. And right from the start was saying this whole year, you know, that the seniors from last year were still a part of, you know, the team this year. And 
and the run they had. So really, really special season. And thank you, boys. It was cool for me because like I, you know, the lobby at Centene was really big. Like, you know, it was kind of like the central location. So like when teams were getting sent home, you could kind of tell because they were hanging around the lobby a lot longer. And the Indiana boys, they came out with their bags. And I was like, you know what? Like after all Fitz has told me about like the rankings and getting Seward and regionals, like it was a lot for Indiana to be at nationals. And I'm sure those guys are going to learn from it and going to want to come back even stronger next year. So a lot to be proud of from the IU side of things. Actually on the, that day we got called out in the comments it was completely unintentional somebody was just like asking like where's the d2 content we had spent all day at the at the usa rink watching the semifinal and finals action so you know we kept grinding and we caught some montana state versus lindenwood that game ended in a tie after overtime caught a little bit of uh florida gulf coast beating bentley uh, like I mentioned earlier, the Bentley boys were huge beauties. I was actually talking to them before the game. They did not expect to go to nationals at all. Poor kids. Like they looked like a high school all-star team. Uh, like they all had different gloves, shells, and helmets, but they had matching jerseys and socks. They were a riot. And I was talking to the kid. He was like, yeah, dude, like our coach quit at the start of the year. Our goalie's dad has filled in. We only practice once or twice a week. We are just here for a good time. Like happy to be here. When I heard them say like here for a good time, I'm like, oh my God, these guys are going to get pumped like they're just gonna go to the casino every night like whatever but no they gave teams a run for their money like they gave florida gulf coast a game they gave providence a game i think they beat providence in overtime like this was the toughest pool of the tournament we said that going in and they hung in there with these top teams and so i wanted to give them a shout out just because of everything that they battled through the regular season and they were all great guys and so uh the next day we caught an ot game between trine and umass I got to see my buddy Tyler Martin play. I went to Princeton Academy with him. Unfortunately, UMass got the OT win and we caught that on camera. And then the next day, Herman, I don't think we knew how big of a, a deal this was, but like we said, toughest pool. Providence knocked off Florida Gulf Coast. And considering the run that the Eagles went on, um, this was a game I kind of forgot about. But like we said, th that pool came down to the wire. Next morning, I got to see Montana State play spoiler on UNH. And then I went to... Florida Gulf Coast and Iowa State. This was a good game. Winner was moving on out of the pool. I picked Iowa State, but Florida Gulf Coast was rolling in this one. Uh, they ended up beating the Cyclones. And I want to give a shout out to Coach Jason Fairman from Iowa State. Fun fact I didn't know going in is he actually coaches all three Iowa ACHA teams. He is one coach coaching three teams and his assistant coach Austin Willenborg. Those two guys were running around the rink all week just coaching hockey games, and it was crazy to see. I don't know how they do it. Definitely a future guest of the show, but wanted to give him credit for the work that he did. Um, I think a lot of people had his teams picked to go pretty far in the tournament, but I, I cannot believe that, Herm. I don't know if you had heard any rumblings about that, but crazy to see one guy coaching three teams. I guess how it works is like if they overlap, like each team has an assistant coach, he takes control of the bench when he can uh, at any given moment. So that was cool to see and wanted to give him a shout out for it. OT thriller that I got to catch was Dakota College Botno and UMass. This was another one. Winner moves on. Of course, they took it to overtime. Really cool environment. Dakota College had a packed fan section. Not only did their parents come down for the game, but their women's team was in the crowd. The North Dakota State women's team came and supported, uh, you know, their fellow Dakota College team. And what was really cool is a woman with a drum like she was beating the drum, getting the chants going. And they also had this elderly woman who was going to the front of the student section, like orchestrating the cheers. It was a riot. She would get the Let's Go Jacks chant going. It was so cool to see. Awesome environment. 
And uh, sure enough, Dakota College wins on a clapper from the hash marks in overtime. Pretty ballsy move there, but that game was awesome to see. Anytime you get an overtime game in front of a packed house, which there were plenty of them at the national tournament uh and then caught the end of liberty in lindenwood that was another good game cool to see the lindenwood guys at this point were coming out to the d2 games coach zombo is in attendance as well those guys were great i don't know if you guys caught this on the story but i it was an, again another one of those games where i couldn't find a spot on the glass to do the story and so i was in the bleachers and the net had come off Everyone in the crowd is yelling, the net's off, the net's off. You got people climbing on chairs, yelling over the glass, like, hey, goalie, the net's off, the net's off. And so I took a video. I was like, this is this is pretty, pretty acha right here. Like, the net is off, but nobody knows. And sure enough, I post on the story. As soon as I post on the story, Liberty scores with the net off. And there was no argument from Lindenwood. They were just like, ah, oh, like the net was off. Yeah. But it was because the net was like pushed an inch forward. Like it wasn't really off diagonally. I don't know if you guys understand that, but like as a goalie, like Glick and Collins, like the net was just pushed up an inch. There was no argument and it didn't end up affecting the game. Lindenwood ended up putting home an empty netter. That was a good game. Uh, you Mary had to beat Northeastern to advance. Uh, the New England boys put up a good fight, but lost three to one. Uh, and then Florida Gulf Coast kind of had their way with Dakota College. We had a highlight reel goal get on bar down, which was pretty cool to see. Bar down reposted our video. And like we talked about earlier, always great when people give you credit. They gave us credit for it, as well as hockey TV for the clip too, which was really cool. Once again, anytime we can get people posting about the ACHA, that's great. FGCU ended up playing U Mary. U Mary had outbattled Lindenwood in a game. Again, the Lindenwood people were hungry. They wanted to bring home as many national titles as they could, and the fans were on top of uh, the U Mary guys. They were all over them, but U Mary pulled away with the victory. The game got pretty chippy too, but in the end, we got a great national championship matchup. Florida Gulf Coast and U Mary. None of us picked U Mary, which I think the boys were pretty bummed about. In all honesty, I think U Mary was was probably the clear favorite, and I felt like you know, hey. I'm going to pick a team that's not you, Mary, and uh, we'll see what happens. But the boys, they they kept good on their title defense. This game was a nail-biter. I actually... I thought the longer it went on that Florida Gulf Coast was going to hang around, but Florida Gulf Coast went into the third with a lead. You Mary scored like a minute in on the power play. It was weird. Like you Mary dominated the second half of the third period. I'd say Florida Gulf Coast kind of won the first overtime. And then after that, like you Mary dominated OT two and, and three, and uh, they ended up winning because of it. So that was great to see. Shout out to Zach Garrett, former guest of the show, won MVP goalie Kyle Hayden made 67 saves. It was the most saves, most shots on goals a team has had against you, Mary, all season. Actually, I think ever in program history, no team has had more shots on goal than Florida Gulf Coast did against. Another fun fact that you can take with you, and it was cool. I tweeted about this too. Both starting goalies played Minnesota high school hockey. Cool to see considering how many Canadians you Mary has on their team and, and North Dakota guys. Shout out to you, Mary, for bringing home the championship. Unfortunately, how it worked out, I know Herm and I were pretty disappointed in this, but just really didn't get to cover the women's tournaments as much as we had wanted to. Uh, wasn't really feasibly possible for us to stay for the entire tournament. So I stayed for the D2 tournament and then I flew home afterwards. Herm flew out the next day after the D1 tournament, but we tried to catch as much women's hockey action as we could. First game I was able to catch was Lindenwood versus McKendry, two, two local teams. The host got off to a good start and got a W in that one. Maryville upset Adrian early on, which uh, was thanks to a hat trick from Sarah Brooks. The D1 women's tournament was interesting. They did... 10 teams and it was double elimination, but not after the second round. 
I think is how I would put it. Really confusing there, but we figured out the brackets and I thought Maryville ended Adrian's season. Adrian got to play the next day, which was a little confusing. I got to watch Minot State. They rolled over Colorado. As everyone knows, the Minot State women's team has the best jerseys in college hockey, in my opinion. They are great. Uh, Not enough teams using red and green and Minot State women's team does it perfectly. And so I was also able to catch UMass eliminating McKendry. Really good game between Minot and Indiana Tech. Indiana Tech, I believe, pulled the goalie with nine minutes to go in the third period, down by three goals. And so Minot ended up scoring two empty netters to win that one. I caught Midland and UMass, and this was very physical. And I know a lot of people say, like, women's hockey's physical too, but, like, there were so many penalties in this game. It was weird. Like, Midland played on the edge, but, like, wasn't doing anything to get, like, penalized for and like UMass couldn't really keep up and was taking penalties and the Midland power play ended up paying off for them and was able to catch the full national championship game I thought Midland played very well and I thought was seriously going to give the Lady Flames a run for their money but just like they have year after year for Pete for the Liberty women hang another banner at the LaHaye they just dominated and out war Midland in the third period I was texting Herm like had that graphic ready to go was texting uh, Caroline making sure we were going to get a picture afterwards because it was just clear that they were going to win. And I know we we talk about a lot of great hockey teams, but that team probably does not get enough attention. The Liberty women's team, they are just dominating the ACHA. It's up there in some of the best dynasties in sports. I mean, the Islanders did four in a row. Pretty impressive by the, the Lady Flames. Definitely underrated considering they have all the Division One banners hanging in La Haye right now. Yeah, I mean, people talk about the men's program being dominant, but the men's program hasn't brought home a title and the women's side has brought home four. Like, huge shout out to them that like to do that four years in a row and you had you had a break like they potentially could have won five in a row. You think about if if the Nationals don't get canceled because of COVID in 2020. So I want to give them a huge shout out. I know it was saying it was unfortunate that we didn't catch that many that much women's action, but D2 women's pool play was actually played in Maryville at the Maryville Hockey Center. So we definitely did not catch any of that. Tried to stay up to date on Twitter as much as we could, but the final day of pool play was actually played at Centene. So I was able to catch some of the games. Uh, it was pretty cool. We had an all Canada matchup. We had Sioux College versus Assiniboine. I saw enough of Assiniboine playing to properly pronounce their name with no hesitation, uh, which was one of the goals of mine coming into the tournament. Really cool. They played O Canada before the game, which was awesome. My tournament pick was Lake Superior State, and I saw them play once and they lost. They lost to BC and got eliminated from the tournament, so that was a huge bummer. We'll kind of get to them. They had a huge blowout earlier in the tournament uh, when we get to that portion of the show, but I got to see North Dakota State play. They had one of the coolest jerseys ever, uh, like a gold jersey with like the green script across the front. Josh Strong should get one of those before his time is up in North Dakota, but that was cool. Dakota College ended up clinching a spot in the title game with a win over BC, but it was Assiniboine taking home the title. It was actually their second title in a row. They won a title three years ago. Then they had the pandemic cancel a season and then there was no national tournament on the women's D2 side last year. So back-to-back titles in a four-year span. That's pretty impressive. It was really the year of repeats um, when you look at it. You had U Mary repeating. You had Hope College repeating. Assiniboine repeated and then the Liberty women repeated. So aside from Lindenwood who captured the D1 title, which was kind of cool to see. I guess the, the teams at the top sticking around for a while but now it's time for our favorite part of the show it's the blowout of the week and we had some interesting ones in the national tournaments here start off like i mentioned those lake superior state women they beat villanova 22 to 1 
And uh, a lot of people are questioning, is that is that too many goals considering the rumors going around that Villanova's goalie had gotten hurt prior to the tournament? And so they actually had to play with a skater in net. Lake Spear State won 22 to 1. Uh, other scores, I believe BC, BC beat Villanova 9 nothing, which I, I, I don't know. Considering all things, I think that was pretty respectable considering what had been done to them the day before. Collins, had you heard about this? Did you see this final score as a Nova guy? Was, was it tough to see? Yeah, it, it was pretty tough. We love we love our Weiss girls. Hashtag Weiss, Weiss baby. So my counterpart uh, on Weiss, as we like to call them, and their uh, self-given nickname, Molly McKenna, uh, the starting goalie, was studying abroad this semester. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to make it from uh, you know to the national te- uh, tournament all the way over in Europe. Uh, so Sarah Barsap, uh, you know, said. I'm going to step up and uh, I'm going to play a net for the first time ever at the national tournament. Pretty respectable. If you, if you ask me, that's, that's just straight nails right there. Quite a showing from her. I can't say I've ever been in one of those situations before, but you know, understanding the mind of a goalie and all that stuff, being able to do, uh, especially the nine, nothing loss against uh, BC. That that's, that's, very impressive uh, considering what happened the day before. I was also super excited uh, to see them when they scored. Um, I was actually watching the first probably 10 minutes and I had to, to go leave for class. And then I came back, picked it up and uh, saw them score. The way everybody just came out, piled, uh, even the Lake Superior State girls were, you know, super, super nice about it, I- including the refs, too. They let it happen, too. So I think it was, a, it was a you know, a, a pretty, I wouldn't say a solid showing at Nationals, but um stuff they won't forget stuff, stuff memories they won't, they won't forget. forget yeah it was it was definitely something uh that they should be very proud of for making it to the national tournament so shout out to uh nova weiss yeah and i did hear a lot of acha officials in in the acha room that we were set up in for the week talking about how much she had improved over the tournament which was really <laughs> cool to hear as big of a deficit as it was 22 to 1 lake superior state one of the comeback stories of the acha zero wins in the 2020 2021 season and they had 33 wins in the last campaign so really cool to see that i know they were excited to be at nationals unfortunately their their trip to the title game was cut short to boston college uh but wanted to give them a shout out to and a shout out to their media team had the chance to talk to those guys they were awesome and they had a drone at their practice which was really cool to see and they were all about the content and and they loved what we were doing, so it was awesome to talk to them. And I, well, yeah, I guess that wraps up our ACHA talk for the show. But now we're going to transition to the CHF tournament, which uh, unfortunately we weren't really able to do a, a pre-tournament show preview, whatever you want to call it, just because we were so busy in St. Louis, we didn't really have the chance to to do some predictions here. But thirty-two teams went to Philly, eight pools of teams, and so. Plenty of action going on in Philly. Like we said, Collins was there. Aiden, kind of just walk us through your your introduction to the CHF. Uh, I know you kind of, I guess maybe for people at, at home who don't really understand really what the CHF is, I know when you walked in, they kind of introduced it to you. Uh, what was your kind of first impression of the CHF? My first impression was obviously it's all Southern D3 teams. This kind of felt like a Southern hockey tournament. If I'm correct, the reason the CHF formed was mainly due to the dominance of the Michigan teams in the ACHA. So they decided to split to provide more chances for the for the Southern teams. And 
and really showcase those guys. I was impressed in certain areas and less than impressed in other areas. I was really impressed with the whole media stuff they have going on, the player interviews, all the social stuff they're doing. It's it's absolutely incredible. Um, I had the chance to hop on the CHF podcast for the day two recap. That was a lot of fun uh, hanging out with Jordan and Siobhan. Really solid stuff they have going on there. However, I was less than impressed with some of the other stuff they had going on. First off, I don't, I don't know if anybody else wants to chime in on this, but I think 32 teams is way too many teams for a tournament, especially with we had A through H in terms of pools. Like there was so much going on. And Glick, you want to chime in? Yeah, um, I heard that same sentiment just talking to some of the guys around the rink. They just said it was just way too many teams for a tournament with only basically one division and a bunch of pools. It was just way too many teams. They were saying it should only be about 16. It would make a lot more sense. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. There were some teams that absolutely deserved to be there, and there were others that I think, you know, though they are good teams, they you know honestly shouldn't have been there. Some of the standouts to me in terms of teams that were absolutely just crushing it, Ramapo, I had never heard of this school. I didn't even hear about it uh, more than 10 minutes uh, before I went to go watch this Ramapo uh, Estate versus Mass Maritime game, uh, which was absolutely awesome. Bodies flying everywhere, lots of hits, uh, super scrappy. I was actually texting Murph. I was like, listen, you need to be on watch on Black Dog because there might be a fight that breaks out here because there were tons of little scraps going on and there could have been a, a serious brawl. However, I think with the looming threat of getting ejected means you're done for the whole tournament. Uh, I don't think there was going to be a fight. Other teams that I really liked, obviously, South Carolina, Kakaki. This team has so much more fun than anybody else out there. I think even in the Acha too, these guys just have a blast every single time on the ice. Kind of like Adrian in a sense where they are they are cocky, but you know, not to the point where they're like on other teams during the game. They do they save that for social media. Florida Atlantic University, I really liked those guys too. They were absolutely crushing it, beating hometown Alvernia twelve to three. You know, I think I thought they were gonna go pretty far in the tournament. However, with their unfortunate loss to Georgia Tech in that absolute nail-biter of a game uh, in the meat locker, which I will get to in a little bit. Babson, I didn't really get the chance to watch them. They were a pretty solid team. Obviously, they won. And then St. Bonaventure, absolutely just wild team to watch. Another just high-paced team. They were always flying a guy high, and you know the teams they played somehow couldn't figure it out, that they were always just going to leave uh, one guy up there on the breakout hanging uh, hanging out by the blue line. I thought they could have gone far as well. What was, uh, I guess, your first thoughts? We talked about the, the teams, like the pool play. Like in terms of like when I see a team, I, I kind of knew going in that the Tampa Christopher Newport game might be a trap because like at this point, Tampa is the one seed and they had played the 32nd seed and mm -hmm. then they played the 17th seed, both blowout games. And then their last game of the tournament, is against the 16 seed they end up they end up losing and it's like they kind of got sewered because they show up to the national tournament and they didn't really have two competitive games to start yeah i mean you know what they say about 16 seeds in march so overall i think i think it was a great game you know there's the cnu goalie uh, ryan vanesco was absolutely standing on his head this guy was eating every single shot that came towards him also mentioned he's a freshman too so this kid's got quite the career ahead of him there were some rumors floating around among players and then also among some higher ups that tampa was scratching their six best players to rest them for the bracket which i thought 
was pretty interesting. We couldn't confirm that. If that's the case, then, you know, I don't think Tampa was taking the pool play all that seriously. And the pool play really mattered. It's a bummer that they lost to, to Christopher Newport. However, I think Christopher Newport absolutely deserved that win. They were getting absolutely just pummeled by Tampa at one point. Player comes in crashing the net, hope, uh, hoping to get a rebound. Goalie eats it up. He decides to jump over him, and then Tampa player comes in, cross-checks him, just sends him flying into the post. And that was posted on our story, if anybody saw that. I was uh, absolutely wild seeing wild seeing that live. I was uh, shooting photos with Liam Gormley of Kakaki at the time, and we both just audibly laughed at just how wild that was. Yeah, and it was just super physical overall. Like It ended up building to a point where um, a Christopher Newport player got blindsided and ended up cutting his forehead wide open. It must have been his cage that cut him. He had to get taken off the ice. And that narrative you know, where it's, you know, you injured one of our players and now we're going to absolutely bury you just came into to full effect and the narrative played out too. It, it just kept on building and building and building and there, it ended up uh, in a nice little scrap. By the time I left that game, it was one-to-one to go over to the Georgia Tech game. And then I come back. Uh, one of the commissioners says to me, he's like, uh, have you been watching any of this Tampa Christopher Newport game? I'm like, yeah. He says it's absolutely dramatic game. I was like, oh, is it still one-to-one? And he's like, no, it's three-to-one Christopher Newport. I'm like, oh my God, I got to get in there. One thing leads to another. There's five minutes left in the period. Tampa just comes storming back, puts up two goals to send it to OT. And at that point, I surely thought Tampa was going to win it because they were they were riding hot. I was right by the Tampa scratches. They were absolutely just buzzing. And then one thing leads to another. We're in overtime. Cock hockey's waiting to get out there. Uh, so they decide to come up and uh, sit in the stands with me. Christopher Newport absolutely just rings one to send Tampa packing. Absolutely great game. Probably about the best of the tournament by far. Yeah, that was a cool game to follow along with. I also love Christopher Newport rocking the gray shells. It's a sty look. Not many teams can pull it off. I thought they looked good. Also cool on the OT winner. There was just two dog piles. There was like the yeah. dog pile, but it was like there was like a Tampa player in it, so it didn't really come to much. And then they like tackled the goalie, and the goalie was so tired that he was just lying in the neutral zone. You had a coach run out on the ice to hug players. It was just absolute chaos, which was fun to follow. I wanted to bring up the other Tampa team, though, because I know you had this in your notes, too. Again, while this national tournament was so big that there was two teams from the same university. I think that was a little confusing for people. I'm thankful for it because it gave us the glorious clip of the poor D3 Tampa guys scoring on the power play to make it one-to-one in the first period. They got what they wanted, and they told the cock hockey players to put it on their TikTok, uh, which cock hockey did after scoring four unanswered goals to make it five-to-one. Perfectly set to clown music. It is just hilarious. If you watch a different person in the video every time, it is just great. It gets better and better. Hard to tell who scores the goal. It, they kind of look like the hyenas in uh, Lion King. Like they're just like cackling and laughing the whole time. And I think that's how I would compare it to. But job well done to the cock hockey media team. As always, uh, they killed it. And to see that get posted on Bar Down and plenty of other accounts w- was really cool to see. I'll be honest, the first time I saw that video, I thought it was posted by UTAMP because it was just like a really cool video. And then I saw that Cog Hockey posted it and with that caption, I was like, damn, that's power move. Yeah, and also like good on the media team for filming that. Like, why would you film the other team celebrating? Like, they just like kept it rolling and it, it 
golden absolutely golden because right like if they lose that game you just delete the footage and you don't need it but like they won and of course you're gonna post that like yeah i gotta mention the the cock hockey media team absolutely crazy we got uh liam gormley up there in the bot in the press box firing away on twitter and then him and his interns as well as having what two photogs and three three video guys absolutely wild like they got every single angle captured i love it it's great before we we kind of move on to the the elite eight games cons was there any other games that you caught that kind of stood out to you even though i was only able to catch around like 10 minutes of it bama georgia absolutely awesome i i love this game so much i'm sitting up there in the bar talking with one of the commissioners just asking about the story of the chf and all that stuff because i personally wasn't too familiar with the chf having been an Acha guy and only really knowing Acha my entire life, having watched Towson University and a couple other of the Maryland teams. I'm sitting there and the head chef is walking around and I'm rocking a Villanova hockey sweater and I have my my event staff lanyard on uh, and he's like, uh, which team are you with? I'm like, uh, Villanova, I guess. And he's like, no, no, no. Are you uh, are you with Bama or Georgia? I'm like, uh, neither. I'm independent. I'm with the hockey house. He's like, okay, uh, I'm just trying to separate the parents right now before the game starts. And I was like, oh my God, this could turn awful. You know, lots of blood in that rivalry. Really, really solid game. If I'm correct, uh, Bama ended up pulling out the win. I didn't get to, to see the end. One more game. This was really interesting. Final day of pool play. I believe the last game of the night, St. Bonaventure was playing Farmingdale. St. Bonaventure ends up winning. Some absolutely buckled uh, St. Bonaventure parents decide to walk over around the rink, start yelling at the Farmingdale kids, like rubbing salt in their wound. And not only that, there were parents yelling like, we're going to find your house, we're going to find your family, and we're going to kill you and your family. Absolutely unacceptable behavior, especially at this level or at any level either. Like, you know, we hear it all the time in, in sports, like Russell Westbrook recently receiving death threats. I don't think there's a, a single place in it for sports, even if it's not serious. Yeah, that's completely uncalled for there's never an excuse for it but definitely not at ice line during the chf federation cup another game on the final day that was interesting that i was able to catch was the final game of pool play between quinnipiac and south carolina because of the outcome of the games quinnipiac leading four to one in the third if they were going to win the game cock hockey was going to win the pool because Cortland was 0-3, and the other teams are going to finish 1-1. and And so, basically, with a 4-1 lead, Quinnipiac had to pull their goalie in the final two minutes to try to get a goal, because if they won by four goals, they would have clinched the pool. Instead, Cock Hockey hangs on and gets the W, so... There was a lot of confusion in that game about what was going on. But, you know, after the fact, it came out that, yet they needed the goal. Everyone was aware of the situation. And it was kind of weird after the game. Like, South Carolina lost, but they, in a weird way, looked happier than the team that won 4-1. to one. It was very weird to watch. Everyone involved seemed to kind of disagree with how it went down. I know we can kind of get to it once we wrap up, but we, we talked to some of the players and, and asked for their thoughts about it. But, you know, what ends up happening is... To be honest, wasn't really able to catch the games. Um, the semi, the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals were all played during the day, which was pretty tough. Um, you know, we are college kids doing our best to cover the game, but the games were played during classes. So ended up with a final four of uh, Binghamton and 
St. Bonaventure. And then in the other side, we had Babson and South Carolina. Both games go to OT, uh, and we end up getting a final between Babson and Binghamton. Really cool to see Binghamton. I, there was rumors that they were let out of class early today. I could not confirm that, but that was from some representatives of the CHF were saying that. But then sure enough, I saw a tweet from the president of Binghamton. He was saying how he was going to be watching the game at 1.30. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't enough for the Bearcats. Babson ends up winning 6-2 to two and capturing the first ever Federation Cup because the one in 2020, the tournament didn't finish because of the pandemic. So this was the first Federation Cup awarded in the three years of the league. Big moment for the league. Obviously, that that's great for them. It was bittersweet for us. It, it marks the end of the, the non-NCAA college hockey season. Uh, we'll have plenty of coverage going into the offseason. But congrats to the Babson College Beavers on, on capturing the Federation Cup. Um, we did reach out to people today and kind of wanted to get people's thoughts and opinions on the ACHA and the CHF season. So we thought that the best way to do that would be share those um, opinions anonymously here on the podcast. Sounds like the consensus we got from the players in the CHF is that they understood going into it. This was an alternative to the ACHA because as Collins mentioned, like ACHA D3, very heavy with Michigan teams. And a lot of people talk about the Michigan bias as a guy who saw the D3 teams from Michigan play in D3. I can see why there would be a bias. Like those teams are good. Like they deserve everything they've gotten. I guess the action that I caught in the CHF, like there's just a lot of confusion on the CHF side and I get it. It's a first year league. Uh, like I said, they had great media coverage, but I think a lot of players thought that maybe the 32 teams was a bit much, especially for the location. Maybe it was a little bit overwhelming on ice line. You know, we talked about teams that get snubbed from the D1 tournament. Plenty of teams get snubbed. I think it was the opposite case in the CHF. I think there were teams getting invited to nationals that did not expect to be. Um, I caught an interview with, I think it was the UNH coach. He talked about the adversity that they were battling because they had guys who didn't come because they were on spring break. Like, that's tough. Like, that's, that's the reality of the situation is that there were teams being invited to the tournament that did not expect to be invited. I think that puts both parties in a tough situation. Herm, any, any, what am I missing here? And, and Collins, feel free to chime in because I know you you were there and you heard it too. But And I, and I touched on it earlier too. We had two Tampa teams. That's a little odd. After a, a brief pause there to kind of discuss where we go forward here, there were some other points we wanted to mention. Media coverage was a, a, a plus in this department. I think people were blown away by the media coverage that the CHF did. One thing that I think was a complaint from both sides, uh, the ACHA and the CHF, was paid subscriptions for games. Ultimately, it comes down to it, and I want people to understand this. I actually had a conversation with representatives from the ACHA about this because the ACHA used to do a free a free streaming on YouTube of this, and it ran them $80,000 to produce that. In comparison, they go to Hockey TV, and Hockey TV has all the equipment to set it up. And yes, Hockey TV has a subscription fee, but it's like one less headache for the league. And so I'm sure it was the same thing with the CHF and Black Dog. It's like it's way easier for the league to just lease it out to a company. You have somebody overseeing all of the games. So yes, is it a bummer that you have to pay a subscription this time of year? Yes. Is the subscription absolutely worth it? I would say so because you get to watch your favorite team play. At the end of the day, that's worth it. And if your favorite team isn't playing, especially on the ACHA side, there's plenty of games to watch. One complaint from the CHF side of things was that the price to get in was too expensive. I guess that's tough too because you got teams traveling from far distances with families and you're going to charge them you know, an arm and a leg at the door. That's tough. Another thing I think people players from the CHF were told, I, I don't want to say it was like fire festival vibes, but 
I think people were expecting the the end of season tournament to just be higher competition. I know guys were bummed. Like we talked to some of the guys who played in the third place game today. And like, that was a conversation we had at the start of the ACHA tournament is should you do consolation games in these tournaments because teams are traveling so far. And at the end of the day, it's nice to say like, Oh, that team should play another game because they traveled so far. But when there's no competition on the line, there's no trophy on the line. There's really not much to play for. And I think we found that out this morning between South Carolina and Ramapo. It was just a battle of two teams that didn't really want to be there. It sounds like there wasn't that much checking in the game. Not really entertaining so i think that kind of wraps it up in terms of our analysis of the tournaments i think the end of the year both leagues went through a lot just to get these tournaments going like i said like first time the acha has had the national tournament under one roof in three years uh like we said the struggles the chf went through to give out their first champion in three years the game is heading in a right direction because of the tournaments i hope people can kind of express their feedback and i guess we're doing that in a way and and I hope that if, if anybody has a thoughts or opinions that they can come to us and, and we can broadcast them. But I, I'd like to think that the tournaments will be much better next year. Teams will teams will get together. League officials will get together and, and they're constantly adapting and improving. So that's something to look forward to as we wrap up the show. In all fairness, we wanted to give a bunch of thank yous to everyone who gave us shout outs along the way. People we met. So starting off, I want to give all of the Hope College people that we came in contact with uh, were awesome. First person that I talked to was a parent, Robin Shutt, the mom of one of the goalies on the team who was taking photos of the tournament. She recognized who we were right away in the hockey house and told us that the boys were big fans, which got us fired up. We were talking to the boys after the game. We were talking to parents. They loved what we were doing. They were awesome to talk to. At the end of the tournament, uh, their coaching staff was very grateful for us. They let us go in the locker room and get some content of the boys that we ended up having a conversation with Zach Smith, who's one of their goalie coaches, and he actually runs second string leather. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Uh, we'd like to work with them in the future. They take old gloves, goalie pads, and turn them into wallets and bags and travel accessories. So that's definitely something we want to look forward to doing in the future. And I know Herm had the opportunity to talk to Coach Smith too. I am very, very familiar with second string leather because Alex raves about the Thatcher Demko wallet that he carries around on a daily basis. So when I texted Alex and was like, hey, you are never going to believe who I just met. He was like, no way. Did you tell him I, I love his stuff and they follow me on Instagram? And he was super excited. So second string leather, expect a collab in the future. Want to give a shout out to both of the public address announcers from the tournaments. We had Andy Stores in St. Louis and James Witherite in Philly. Both guys, PA announcers and anthem singers, they were doing it all. Great guys. Uh, working Ironman hours uh, this past week to get the job done. And, and the presentation as a whole was great from those two guys. Personal shout out. I want to give a shout out to Joe from Central Michigan. He does their social media and runs their content. He was great. I connected with him on one of the first couple days. I was like, hey, if you get anything, send it our way. And he gave us nothing but praise and was awesome to talk to. And we wish Central Michigan could have gone a little bit further. Uh, so he could have kept making some content. But he was awesome. I uh, wanted to give a shout out to Carly and Johnny Costello from Adrian. They both do amazing work. Carly does the love of the game photography. Johnny plays on the D3 team at Adrian. He also does play-by-play -play for the D2 and D1 games. He was there filming content on his own, which we like, love to see. And then we met some amazing social media managers along the way. Huge shout out to Caroline Sellers. Uh, she spent two weeks in St. Louis, like we were talking about. I spent 10 days. Herm, what were you, six or seven days, right? Like she spent two weeks in St. Louis covering content across 
uh, Liberty. She was awesome. Herm, I'll turn this one next one over to you. Yeah, Jessica Butterly, who just got promoted from social media manager to the brand new title of media coordinator to cover the more uh, wide-reaching responsibilities that the growing department has to offer. Worked her tail off this season and said some very, very nice things on social media about just the, the professional relationship that we have and how she's been able to to kind of take the mantle and, and run with it. I, I'm struggling to find the words to to express how truly proud of Chess I am. Yeah, and then I also I wanted to give you the chance to give these two women a shout out. Uh, the ladies from UCO who worked lots of hours uh, in the week that they were there. Uh, I wanted to let you give a shout out to them because you you were going back and forth with them a lot too. Yeah, Allie Kunkel, who's the social media manager there. Forgot to mention her in the original recording. So Betsy Timken, who is the Broncho's photographer, she was the person that originally put UCO on the map for me with her submissions for the photographer recap. Wonderful person, wonderful photographer. Great spending time with her this weekend. Isis Good, who runs UNLV's social media. Both of them are standout and do phenomenal work. I know we gave them a shout out already, but uh, Liam Gormley, uh, as a fellow student athlete content creator, he's also killing it, um, which is was really good to see. Shout out to our guy Aiden, too. We want to make sure we got him on the list. Collins was killing it in Philly. Like I said, the, the highest compliment I can give somebody is when somebody thought that he was doing my job and, and he was doing it to a T down in Philly, which was awesome. And another shout out to all of our photographers. I want to personally thank Will. He was all over the place at Centene. Uh, he's working his tail off, getting us photos whenever he could. And I know if anyone is editing as many photos as Herm right now, it is him. He was all over the place and I'm, I'm glad that he was there to, to cover it. And Herm, I'll let you take it away for the other two photographers as well. Yeah, Dan Watkins, who's the secondary Maryville photographer and was at all of the games that I was at in St. Louis and Zach Price who traveled with the New Mexico team. All three of those guys are standout individuals. I just want to let you all know about Will and uh, the impact that he was able to have on me over the time that I was in St. Louis. Centene is really designed to shoot with long lenses. So like the giant ones that you see. Will rented a 300 millimeter lens that we both shared through the the weekend and he has a 400 millimeter prime lens which just for reference if you want to purchase that probably in like the four to five thousand dollar range uh and probably would have run me a day rate of like i don't know give or take a hundred bucks and will was incredibly generous and we were swapping lenses through the entire tournament and so so good for me to get out of my comfort zone of just the 70 to 200 experiment with that long telephoto photography so massive massive shout out to will and the hustle that he puts on we already gave a shout out to a fellow student athlete content creator, but wanted to give a shout out to Dominic Stankowitz, Grand Valley State goalie, and he brought his camera with him. I mean, he was the starting goalie for Grand Valley State, played a lot of minutes, kept him in a lot of games, and he brought his camera along for the trip, and he was just walking around taking photos in any game he could. He was rocking a backwards chickless hat. That's how I could spot him from a mile away. Uh, I was able to connect with him. Um, it was actually funny when... Like I saw him wearing a Grand Valley State backpack and taking photos. I just assumed that he was the Grand Valley State photographer. And that's like, 
he was just with the team and in his free time he's taking photos i showed up to the grand valley state game the next day and there he is in net and i was like that's awesome like that's what we love about the acha it's like guys doing what they love and continue to play hockey so he's a guy we'd love to connect with in the future and he gave us a big shout out on twitter after the tournament as well and herm you made a new friend and i'll turn it over to you one for the for the next one how about that herm sure so i made a new friend during the national championship game in christian banks who is a hope college student and photographer for the athletic department he drove down with some buddies like a six hour drive for the semis and championship games and he was shooting with I believe it's a rebel t6 and a kit lens and i walked up to the photo hole and was like man i've got an extra lens on me because will was generous enough to share and i was like you want to use my stuff and he was like absolutely he got an incredible photo that he did a collab post with uh with the hope college hockey instagram page such such good stuff so was awesome to connect with him and was more than happy to to pay it forward with what will was doing for me for christian a couple more thank yous second to last one I want to give a shout out to the Centene Birds. I believe there was two birds at Centene. There was one in the NHL rink where the Blues practice, and there was another one flying around the USA rink. And when I say like these birds did not care at all about people, like they were coming down from the ceiling and like flying right in front of people. It was the scariest thing ever. Like the first couple times it happened, it, it was like being in Columbus when the cannon goes off, like you're not expecting it. But by the end of the week, I was just like ready for the birds every time they come flying down. The best name suggestion we got for the the bird was birdie for Durko, uh which i think was was great a homage to a st louis blue legend the last shout out we want i wanted to give and cannot express this enough is executive director of the acha craig barnett craig was great to us all week he was so good to herm and i uh, making sure that the hospitality was good he was adamant in getting us hotels and meals for the week made sure we were welcome at all times literally the first conversation i had with him he asked me what size jacket i was and he ran and got me an acha jacket to wear uh while we waited for our apparel to come in it was just great like overall experience like when when herm left and and flew back home and it was kind of just me on my own like craig was right there like he was awesome and so good to see like a guy who clearly cares so much about the league and as a player in the league like it's nothing cooler than talking to him such a down-to-earth guy no has tons of hockey stories just such a great knowledge of the game could not be prouder to have him representing the acha at the top because of of the work he does. So that was really cool to to be around him all week. And and he has a lot to be proud of uh, for the tournament that they put on. So I wanted to give Craig a huge shout out. I think that's a good place to wrap it up for us. So we'll turn it over. Fitz, as a, as a guy who saw a lot of it from the outside, I know you gave a shout out to your Hoosiers, but just kind of wrapping up the episode of final thoughts from from this ACHA season and the CHF action we covered as well. Yeah, it's it's been a blast the whole year. I want to give a shout out to, to you, Murph, and you, Herm. You, you guys steer the show here it was really fun being able to follow along uh like you said i'm i'm on the outside here looking in and you know great having the coverage and, and being able to follow along on the instagram stories thank you boys for for everything you do everyone listening out there these two steer the ship for us so thanks guys of course thank you fitz and, and a lot of people we'll, we'll get to it in the future episodes kind of give a back more backstory because i know there's a lot of people listening for the first time tonight but you know we do this because we know how special the acha is and like it's what we want the league to be it's what we want 
want club hockey to look like to the outside world. And so if that means us going the extra mile in St. Louis, like that's what we're going to do because we saw so much growth in, in this season compared to last season and, and it's only going to keep growing. So it was awesome to have. And, and Glick, I, I know you got to catch the CHF action on Saturday. Any closing thoughts from you? Yeah. So uh, just first of all, I just want to reiterate what Fitzy said about you guys and just thank you, Herman Murph, for all this work you guys do in the background. You know, all of our listeners can't even begin to imagine all the work that you guys do to make this thing run. You know, me and Fitz, we kind of, sh- you know, you know, we do work, but we just kind of show off. We kind of record, but all the all, all the heavy lifting is done by uh, Herman Murph. So I kind of want to give massive shout out to you guys. You know, just, just this past weekend at nationals i got to experience the social media side of hockey kind of see what goes on behind the scenes and it kind of made me realize that it's a lot more than what it meets the eye to like someone who's just playing this whole his whole life it's a lot harder than it looks it's a lot of multitasking so i just want to give a massive shout out to you know all the social media managers anyone on the social media side of the game you guys do not get the credit you guys deserve so massive shout out to you guys because we had been talking earlier in the week and i wasn't sure if you're gonna end up going so i was literally about to take off and i didn't i had given colin some instructions but it was literally like a glick here's the instagram password like (laughs) just go for it and so you did an awesome job and it was cool having the two of you there too because you guys were each doing different games so there's plenty of coverage to be had and collins i'll give you a chance to uh give your kind of closing remarks on the national tournament coverage and uh, even your your season as a whole it was your first year in the Acha, so feel free to to speak your mind i think this season was was absolutely amazing on from the villanova side of things shout out to to all those guys and uh you know my best friends out there uh like like ajay fernandez and uh tim arena john cipolo those guys you know they're the guys who made the team what it was and you know you guys absolutely crushed it this year also captain jack marecki forget about that he completely changed the culture of the team which was amazing back towards you know the more social media side and the hockey house side of things and just acha as general couldn't ask for more from the national championship this year from the acha absolutely amazing tons of ot thrillers tons of great games and even with the chf i, I know i pointed out a lot of, a lot of negatives however you know it's their first year and i'm excited to see what they can do in the future taking this feedback positively and then also you like uh, like everybody else said murph and herm you guys absolutely crushed it this year i can totally sympathize with uh with running an account like this with doing the lax house pod for a little bit where hockey started and then uh just running villanova hockey's instagram along with playing it's it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time going through photos editing making graphics and i can't imagine what it was like for, uh, for you murph uh, having to make graphics for syracuse and then also for the hockey house and you guys show absolutely amazing dedication and um, i'm excited to see where where all this stuff goes in the future here's to uh, a better a better season next season well now that my tires are overinflated, uh we'll, we'll turn it over to her <laughs> we'll turn it over to herm and uh herm what closing thoughts on the year on the tournament Obviously, it was it was great having you along this season. Learned a lot in the first year uh, when we didn't have you, and then you jumped on over the summer. What are some of your, your takeaways from the year? I want to start with my takeaways from the tournament first before I, I dive into the year. Two things specifically that, that stuck out to me. Having really never photographed an event of this scale for the amount of days that I did and capturing content and everything associated, there was a real beautiful chaos in photographing the celebrations of the championship wins themselves and getting the raw emotions and 
the cheers and the tears and the smiles and everything. And I looked at Murph during the the Hope National Championship win, and I was tearing up a little bit for the Hope boys. And I had never seen these guys play outside of this weekend. Hockey's a beautiful game. I'm trying not to to tear up on my end now. And and there's a lot of a lot of emotions associated with it. Being around the boys like that is is a lot of fun. The second thing I wanted to highlight from the tournament were the wonderful spontaneous conversations that we had with just about every single role that was in St. Louis that weekend, whether that was players, coaches, parents, fans, refs. I was in the middle of shooting the the late night Providence game and the ref came up to me as the game ended because of the hockey house sweatshirt. And he was like, yeah, I coach for St. Louis and I love the podcast and the boys love the podcast. You're doing great stuff. And it's it's this wonderful thing that, that we've kind of created for the ACHA and the CHF. And for a full year of coming in and doing this, I could not be happier with one, what we've been able to produce, but more importantly, how much the league has embraced what we've done. I think that means the most to me about this season is seeing all of the positive reception from the the hard work and, and long hours that Murph and I have put in on the back end, as you guys have so eloquently described. And I'm going to overinflate Murph's tires to the point of near popping at this point. Kid does not stop hustling. Like, I, I do not know how you have the hours in the day to do anything at this point, whether it's Q's hockey, Q's athletics, hockey house, schoolwork, everything like that. It is always a conversation. It is always a state of flow and work, and we always find a way to get it done. And couldn't ask for for someone better in this endeavor as we look to go bigger and beyond with it. So I think there's a lot that's been said, and if anyone is actually still listening at this point, hats off to you. You're a real hockey house trooper. Two takeaways that I have that I continue to live by, and a lot of people might think I'm crazy for doing all this and putting this much time and energy into something, but freshman year, I went to a lecture. One of the speakers said, no matter what your major is, no matter what you're doing, don't stop creating. And I've taken that to heart. I have always lived by that. I just think my life is less stressful when I'm creating, even though sometimes I create messes and they are stressful because I've put too much on my plate. But don't stop creating is something that I live by. And I love that. The second reason and the reason that I am here today on this podcast is because my dad talked to me after I toured Syracuse on the drive home. He talked to me about how if I came to Syracuse, I could have a bigger impact on the team. I don't think my dad thought that I would have a bigger impact on the entire collegiate hockey hockey association that governs club hockey. The opportunities that people are given at the club hockey level are through the roof. And just by the people that we highlighted, by the people that we met over the past week, it makes all the work that we do worth it. I think that this is a cause worth fighting for. And uh, we say it all the time, but we're taking this thing to the moon and we're so excited to do it. And if you want to jump on the bandwagon, if you want to help out, like feel free to reach out because we want to do great things with this. Love the support. And uh, uh, we're going to continue to do it over the summer here. So we thank you for listening and we thank you for a great season. And with that, we will see you next week. So thank you for everyone listening. Thanks, boys. Thanks, boys. See you next week.